Amen. All right. While they receive the, the offering, why don't you guys go ahead and pull out your Bibles. You're going to want a Bible. My name is Josh Knight, by the way. I'm one of the pastors here on staff at Flourishing Grace. Um, if you're new, as Jake said a minute ago, uh, man, welcome. Thanks for, thanks for being here with us. Thanks for experiencing what God is doing in, in our presence, in our midst here at Flourishing Grace. Um, like I said, you're going to want a Bible. You're going to need a Bible. Um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 19. If you didn't bring a Bible, you left your Bible at home or in the car, um, your, your kid colored all over, the dog ate it, um, there's a Bible underneath the seat you are sitting in. There's a white Bible down there. Um, reach down and grab that one. Um, we're in Luke 19, uh, and, and in that white Bible, it's on page 512, page 512 in those white Bibles down there, Luke 19. If you don't own a Bible, um, you, you don't have a Bible at home, not one at all, uh, steal that one. Steal the ones underneath your seat. Um, there, there's, one, there's one catch, though. You have to tell somebody you stole a Bible from church and tell me how that goes. I just want to know, know how they react to that. It's going to be amazing. Um, we've been in the Gospel of Luke now um, since, since December. December 1, we started the Gospel of Luke, and we've been marching through the Gospel of Luke um, and kind of chunk by chunk, and we are, we're, we're right there. We're, we're at the end. So uh, next Sunday, as Jake said, uh, we have Good Friday on Friday night, and then we have Easter gatherings on Easter morning. Uh, we're going to celebrate uh, both the death and the resurrection of Christ this week in the Gospel of Luke, and then we're moving into a new series, and this new series is one that I have, I don't, I don't think, honestly, this is, this is the truth. I have never in my life been so excited about a sermon series um, ever, ever. The, the series that's coming up after Easter, um, we're calling it After 10 Years, After 10 Years. And I didn't, I didn't say this at the 915. I'm going to give you guys a little sneak peek here. Um, what, I've, what I've been realizing as I talk to actually many of you um, is that there's things in your life that you're, you guys are wrestling through now and you're, and you're working on now and you're trying to figure out now and, and you're stressed out and you're worried about different things that are going on. And the reality is, is, um, very few of us really think rightly about what life's going to look like 10 years from now. Uh, what are the things that we can do today that are going to influence my marriage 10 years from now? What are the things I can do today that are going to influence my relationship with Jesus 10 years from now? And so we're going we're gonna to do this, a short series, five weeks, and we're going to really lean into just some, just some wisdom around, man, how am I living today? Because I ultimately can't control tomorrow. All I can control is what's happening right now, today, in this season, in this moment. Um, and so I'm really, really, really excited about it. But anyways, that's, 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 that's free. That's extra. That's besides the point. We're going to dive into the Word. Uh, Luke 19 is where we're going to be this morning, um, and we're going to pick it up. Today is, is Palm Sunday. Around the world, around the globe, churches all, all over um, are celebrating Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is, is the moment that we reflect on the coming of Christ into the city of Jerusalem, right? Christ rides into the city of Jerusalem, uh, where ultimately, a few days later, he will be crucified um, and killed. Um, however, when he rides in, he rides in as king. And so we hold in the balance this morning, the beginning of this week, this week is known as Holy Week, um, the beginning of this week mark, marked with this triumphal, celebrated, amazing moment where the king enters into the city knowing where we know, because we can look back on history, we know that within a few days, that same one that's celebrated is going to be crucified. Um, and so this morning, I want us to really reflect on this moment, this moment in history, this moment in the life of Christ uh, that we call Palm Sunday. And so if you would, in honor and reverence to the Word of God, if you would stand with me, we're going to read the Word together this morning. I'll read it for you. We're going to pick it up in verse 28, Luke 19, verse 28. And when he, 
Jesus. When Jesus had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethpage in Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two disciples, two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and found it, it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said, why are you stealing my colt? Um, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, throwing their cloaks on the colt, and they set Jesus on it. And he rode along, and, and as he rode along, they spread their, their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones, the rocks would cry out. Verse 41. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they're hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. This is the word of the Lord. You guys can grab a seat. So the story is a famous story that it is talked about almost every year uh, on this on this day, this gathering, Palm Sunday. Uh, Jesus sends his disciples into the village um, to find this colt. The people are like, "What are you doing? Why are you taking our donkey?" And they're like, "No, no, no. The Lord, the Lord, our God uh, requires it. He needs it." And they say, "Okay, well, if that sounds that sounds good. Jesus can can ride uh, my donkey, I guess." Um, and so they bring it, and, and Jesus gets on it, and. As they go, they're taking off their cloaks and they're throwing them on the ground and the donkey is riding over them and they pick them back up and they run around and throw them on the ground. Uh, Matthew recalls this story and in Matthew, they're cutting down branches and they're throwing branches on the ground. This is where we get the idea of Palm Sunday. They're cutting down these palm branches and throwing them on the ground as the, as the donkey rides along, entering into the city of Jerusalem. And as they're going into the city, the the people that are with Jesus, this massive crowd of people who have been following him, right? At this point in time, he's, he's insanely popular, wildly popular. People are, are gathering near saying, man, who is he going to heal next? What's he going to do next? What's going to happen next? Look, look, he's coming as a king into the city. Finally, the Messiah is, is, is coming um, to fulfill his right place as the king of all things, to restore what has been broken in the nation of Israel, to rise us up again, once again, as this mighty king, this mighty powder, power. And so in, in Luke, they say, look, praise the king of the Lord. Here he comes in Matthew. We get the, the, the language, Hosanna, Hosanna. 
to the son of David, is what they say in Matthew. Blessing, praise to the son of David, David being the great, the great ancient king of Israel. And they know, they know because they know the history of Israel, that one is going to come from the line of David. It is going to restore the kingdom. It's going to restore what has been broken among them. One is going to come, and that one is going to be the Messiah, the Christ of God, and he's going to reign as king forever over all things. And this is the moment. This is, this, this is, this is it. This, this, this royal moment, people cheering and chanting, and people are coming out into the streets saying, who is this? And they say, it's Christ. The Messiah is here. He is coming. They're chanting praise, Hosanna to God in the highest. It's amazing. And in the midst of this triumphal entry of the king into Jerusalem, Jerusalem being the city, the great city of Israel, the city of the kingdom, the city of the king, but also the city of God, the city where the temple is, these, these kind of two, um, these, these two massive things for the nation of Israel, the kind of the political kingdom structure, and yet the, the temple, the religious structure, God and the king coming together once for all. This is an amazing moment. And in the moment, in the moment, Luke records something that Matthew does not. Jesus, as he rides in on this colt, and everybody around's cheering, and everybody's screaming, oh, Hosanna, praise God, this is the, finally it's here. The king of all kings does something that's not very kingly at all. He weeps. He looks at the buildings in the city, he looks at the temple, he looks at the people that he loves more than anything in the world, knowing full well that in a few days they're going to crucify him. He looks right at them. And he looks at this beloved city, the city that has been the center of God's people for generations. And he sees the brokenness of the city. And he weeps. He weeps. Would that you... Even you on this day, would that you, Israel, would that you, Jerusalem, know the things that make for peace. You still don't get it. You still miss it. You still don't understand. I, I, I've been trying to tell you for generations, for thousands of years, I've been trying to tell you the things that make for peace, and you still don't get it. You still don't understand. And he weeps in sorrow over a people who do not know peace, who do not know the things that make for peace. And it is not because they have not been told. Oh, they have been told for thousands of years. They've been told for generations upon generations. They know, they should know the things that make for peace, but they do not know. You see, humanity, for you and for me, this is true for, for as much for me as it was for the people who stood in Jerusalem that day, the things that we believe in our hearts are going to bring peace to our lives, peace to our families, um, a freedom from stress and anxiety. The things that we believe that are gonna do that, ultimately, ultimately it's control. If I can get control, I will have peace. That is the lie of our hearts, right? 
If I can get control, I'll have peace. If I, can, if I can get a job, if I can find a job where finally I'm in charge, I'm the boss, I own my own company, I run the show, if I can get to that place, there, there will be freedom and there I will have peace. No one can tell me what to do. I, I'm in charge. I'm in control. If I can just get my kids under control, amen? If I can just get my kids under control, then there will be peace in my home. If I can just get my bank account under control, if I can just get this much money in savings, then kind of no matter what happens, I will have control over my, over, over my, over my, my money, my budget, what happens in my life. I'll, I'll have control over that. Control's found there. No, it's not. You know it's not. We all know it's not. We know that's not real, right? I can tell you with great certainty, I know as well as anyone that if you become your own boss, there's not freedom from stress and anxiety there. There's more stress and anxiety there, right? If you get to go, 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 to, go to work from nine to five and come home and you can just forget it, forget about the whole day and you get to come home to your family, that's freedom. When you're your own boss and all of a sudden the bills start coming in and you gotta pay those bills and you gotta figure out how you're gonna, um, how you're gonna provide for your employees and you're worried and stressed out about it, I'm telling you, there's far more stress there. It's a lie of the heart to think that once I'm in control of my company, there, it's not true. It's not true. It's a lie to believe that if I can just control my kids, there, there will be peace. That's not true. You can't control them. They're crazy. Every, every parent who's ever lived has wanted to control their children, and no, not one ever has, okay? Maybe for like 30 seconds, and that's it. It's gone. It's a fleeting moment. You're like, oh, peace. No, it's gone. The harder you try to control them, the more you crush them, the more you push them away, the more you drive them towards the things that you are so afraid of in the back of your mind. There's no peace there. There's just more stress and more anxiety. Same is true with finances. The more we have, the more we want. The more we want, the more we worry about how we're going to attain what we want. The more we worry about what if we lose what we have, right? The more we have, the more we worry. This is, we know this to be true. We're with certainty, but yet our hearts deceive us. They lie and they say, man, if you were in control, you wouldn't worry so much. If you were in control, you would have peace, freedom from stress, freedom from anxiety. If you just had control, you would no longer need, you would no longer need to worry. You would have peace in your heart peace in your soul. And we all crave it. We all long for it. We were designed. You were designed to crave peace. And the people of Israel, they believed the same thing. If I had control, I would be free. If I had control, I would have peace. If, if the nation of Israel was in control of the world, we would, there would be peace. We know that's not true. We know that's not true. But that's what they believe. As the king rides in, they say, finally, the conqueror is here. We're going to push back Rome. We're no longer going to be under oppression. We're going to rise above. We're going to conquer. We're going to dominate. And there we will have peace. We are now in control. We have a system of religion that has been structured for thousands of years. And I know if I do all the right things and I check off all the right boxes and I make the right sacrifices, the King, the Messiah, God will honor me. He will, he will do the things that I need him to do. I can control him if I just do all the right things. I can, if I can control him, there I will have peace. 
If we can control as a nation, there will be peace. And Jesus sees what's happening around him, and he weeps. Would that you, even you, on this day, know the things that make for peace. You see, for you and I, for, for you and I, we get a bigger past than the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel has been taught literally for thousands of years, generation for generation, has been taught the things that make for peace. God has shown them this again and again and again and again and again. They still don't get it. If you read the Old Testament, this is the Old Testament in a nutshell. God creates a people draws them near and says, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. This is amazing. I promise this is going to be the best thing ever. And they have peace until they rebel and reject him and run away from him. And then they have sorrow and stress and anxiety and destruction and turmoil. And then God again goes and he pursues them. He pulls them out of that. And he pulls them into protection and provides for them and brings peace to his people once again. And then they run and they rebel and they find themselves enslaved in Egypt. And he, and he goes and he pulls them out and and he provides protection and peace and um, provides for them. He says, I just want to be your God. I want you to be my people. And, and then they, they rebel against him again. They begin to sacrifice to foreign idols. And he, and he lets them flee into that destruction. They run into anxiety and stress. They're, they're overthrown again and again and again. God pursues them again and pulls them out. And then they're in exile in Babylon. He pulls them out. Their temple's destroyed. He, he pulls them out. He sends Nehemiah to go rebuild again and again and again and again and again and again and again. This is the story of the nation of Israel. God trying to provide peace, showing them the one thing that makes for peace, the Prince of Peace. You see, he even tells them in, in, the, in Isaiah, in Isaiah, there's a story, there's a, there's a verse that we read at Christmas time. Every, every year at Christmas, we, we read this passage of Scripture. And really, it is, it's very much a Christmas passage, but it's also a Palm Sunday passage. It reads this way in Isaiah 9, 6. It says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. We know it. We know it by heart. So did the people of Israel. They knew that passage. They knew the Messiah. They knew the Messiah would be a wonderful counselor, an everlasting father, a mighty God, prince of peace. The Messiah is going to come and he's going to bring peace. They know that. They know that. But still, for them, peace is found in the ability to control Peace is found not in knowing the controller of all things, right? Not knowing the ruler of all things. Not knowing the one who controls all things, controls the heart that beats in your lungs, controls the temperature at which the sun burns, controls, controls the orbit of the moon and the stars. Not him, not knowing him, but peace is found in controlling him. Peace is found in using the Messiah to get what I want. That is the lie that they've bought into and Christ looks and he weeps. So I've told you so many times. I don't understand. It's like loving someone 
more than anything in the world, loving someone, maybe it's a son or daughter, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a best friend. You have a best friend who just always makes the wrong choices. You got anybody in your life like that? Yeah, me too. Um, right? They have, they have 10 choices in front of them. Like, these five are amazing. Like, look at these, look at these five choices. These are amazing. And, like, these, these four are, like, not good, but, like, okay. Right? And then this one is, like, ultimate destruction of their life. They're like, I want that one. You're like, no, dude, no. You, like, look at, all, look at all the choices. Like, you, you, could, you could choose any of these nine. Like, even some of them aren't that great, but they're still way better than this one. They're like, no, I want that one. Um, loving that person is so unbelievably hard. Maybe, maybe it's somebody that you love more than anything, and they're, they're, they're addicted. They're addicted to, to drugs or alcohol or, or gambling, or maybe, maybe they, just, they just can't quite seem to ever kind of compute um, in their mind how, how to make a, a good choice when it comes to their family or their career, right? It's just again and again and again, and, and you just beg and you plead, and you say, man, just, just, just listen to me. Just listen to me one time. I promise I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be there for you. I'm going to pick you up, and we're going to just follow me. I promise you there's going to be greater joy, greater peace here than there is there and they're like yes and that yes lasts for like a month and then they're right back here and if you if you've ever been in that situation where you love that person through that addiction through that pain through the through those poor choices you you know that level of abuse you you know what that feels like and friends i'm telling you that's Palm Sunday. That's the emotion of Jesus in this moment, the emotion of, of just constantly loving someone who, who always chooses them themselves. And I understand that, I understand, don't, don't mishear me, well, um, I understand that addiction um, is, not, is not necessarily a choice. Um, it, it, but, but for the person who's always choosing themselves, the person who's always um, making the wrong choice, loving that person unconditionally again and again and again and again and again and again and again, and, again, and uh, putting yourself underneath that and that sorrow and that pain, that is Jesus on Palm Sunday. That's why he weeps. Because he loves someone who always makes the wrong choice. That someone is you and me, by the way. Someone is you and me. We're always chasing after peace. We're always seeking to find it. We're always looking for it. And we're always looking in the wrong places. We're constantly doing this, right? We, we know, we know that, that, that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. We know, we come here on Sunday and we know that he is, he is the great provider. Every good and perfect gift will come from his hands. We, we know this is true. We know that he loves us. We, we know that he's the great conqueror. We know that he's uh, in control of all things. But man, I got to get the kids to soccer practice. And I got this work piled up. And I got all these things going on in my life that need to be dealt with. I got this thing on Monday. I got nothing on Tuesday. I haven't got church stuff going on. I got, I got a small group. I got to volunteer. I got to do this thing. And I got to do that thing. I got so many things. I know, I know, I know, I know. But I got to, do, I got to manage all this stuff. I got to book all this stuff. I got to figure all this stuff. I got, I got to manage my calendar. Oh, no, it fell apart. Oh, no, 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 no. Jesus, I need you. I need peace. I need peace from this anxiety. I need peace from this stress. I need you once again. Oh, okay, all right. Okay. Okay, we're good now. We're good now. All right, back to what I needed to get done. It's all piled up. Oh, okay, I'm juggling. I got to take the kids here. I got to move them here. I got to take this one there. I got to take this one here. And oh my gosh, I got all these things going on. Oh, another thing in work blew up. Oh no, I need peace again. I need peace. I need freedom from anxiety. I need freedom from stress. I need, oh, okay, sweet. Awesome. Great. Right, I'm going to go back. Right? Is this not your life? 
It's mine. Maybe I'm the only one on this like seesaw of death, right? The one at the playground, you look at that and you're just like, dude, I can't let my kid play on that. Like there's like kids like flying in the air. This is, this is life, man. This is life where we're, we're trying, what we're here, what we're looking for, what we want, control. I can control this. I can control this. I, I got this. I can, I can do it. And all, and all the while, the one who controls all things is over here saying, no, 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 you, no, you can't. No, no, you can't. Draw near to me. Know me. Find your rest in me. Find your freedom from his stress and anxiety in knowing me, knowing that I am actually in control of all things. I'm in control of your marriage. I'm in control of your finances. I'm in control of your kids. I'm in control of every hair on your head. Even for those of you who are bald, you're trying to control it. Give it to Christ. Um... You see, over here in Christ, when we align our heart, when we align our affections, when we align our desires, not for control, but when we align our desires for the things that the Messiah desires, when our heart becomes like his, that's true peace. When when I love Jesus more than anything else in the world, when all I want to control is how much of him I'm getting, I just need more, I just need more, I just need more of him. When I align my heart and I align my affections with the desires of Christ, suddenly my joy is not found in getting my kids to soccer on time. Because I have joy in the maker and the sustainer of all things. He has supplied for me unending peace and unending joy. There is no joy in getting that next project done at work. I have all the joy and all the peace I need. There's no freedom from anxiety if I get this thing done because I already have that freedom. I already have that peace in Christ. I know the Prince of Peace. Here at Flourishing Grace, that's what we're always talking about, right? Our mission as a church, as a community of Christ followers is to lead people into flourishing relationships with Jesus. Not to get people to do more stuff. Not, not to build something bigger and better. But to lead them into a place where, where their life is marked by knowing the Prince of Peace. By knowing the one who is in control of all things. That's our goal. That's our hope. That's what we do. Now, friends, here's what I want you to do. You've got to hear this piece, too. And this is, the, this is the kind of the dark part. This is the scary part. Yes, there's, there's freedom in Christ. There's peace in Christ. When we draw near, when we know him, when our lives are marked by, by meeting with him every day in his word and in prayer, being filled with the spirit, man, there's peace there. There's freedom there. Pursue Christ. Apart from that, outside of that, there is no peace. There's not peace elsewhere in your life. And this is the lie that we talked about earlier, that the lie is, no, I can find peace here and here and here. No, 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 you can't. Sorrow, destruction, anxiety, stress. And when we miss out on Christ showing up in our lives, in the moment he shows up, when we miss out on that, it leads to sorrow and brokenness and destruction and turmoil. And this is what Christ communicates as he's weeping and says, man, would that you, only you, would you would, wouldn't you, Israel, you should know by now. You should know by now what leads to peace. 
The next thing he says, the next thing he says is, because you don't, because you missed the hour, the time of your visitation, because you missed out on Christ, it's not going to go well for you. It's not going to end well. And this is the reality for all of us. Anytime you miss out on something, okay, anytime you miss a moment, like you miss the moment, you miss out, right? That's just, that's, just, that's just life, right? Your friend invites you to a basketball game and you miss out because you have to go to work. Um, you're like, no, nah, I can't do it, right? Um, and, and they got bumped to the front row and you, you miss out on the whole thing. It's like you, you look on Instagram, you see their pictures and they're like right there. You're like, dude, why did I miss out, right? But the reality is, is that um, the bigger the thing, the bigger the thing that you have been invited into, right? The greater the missing out the greater the pain of missing out, the greater the, the sorrow and the destruction that comes when you miss out. In 2000, there was a company um, that, that, that uh, rented videos, right? It's called Blockbuster. Uh, kids, ask your parents. Um, Blockbuster uh, owned 9,000 stores, over 9,000 stores in the United States of America. Um, and, and literally, there was a time, I know it's hard to believe, there was a time when you had to get in the car and you had to drive. If you want to watch a movie, you had to get in the car and drive and go rent a movie once it was available, once they could produce enough copies and it came out like kind of months after um, it had been in the theaters. You could go and you could rent it and you could bring it home and you could put it in your DVD player before that VHS player. Again, I know it's confusing. Um, and Blockbuster was the king of this service. They were the ones that kind of ruled it all. Like I said, over 9,000 stores around, around the country. And in 2000, this little, this little struggling company came to them and they had this idea. They said, man, here's what we do. Um, people can go online and they can, they can rent a video online and we mail it to them in the mail. And we have a new idea that we want to try where they can go online and instead of mailing it to the mail, they can actually watch it online. Like they could watch it right there in real time. They don't even have to get in the car. They don't have to drive to the store. And, and they go into Blockbuster's office and say, we don't have the money to do this. But if you would buy us, this is going to be good. Blockbuster's like, how much do you want? Like $50 million. The story goes, the Blockbuster, the CEO of Blockbuster and the, and the board that was in the room literally laughed them out of the room. Laughed them out of the room. Ten years later, 2010, Blockbuster's gone, bankrupt, uh, closed down every single store, all 9,000 stores gone. And today, 2018, that little $50 million company, Netflix, is worth over $100 billion. I think it's like $130 billion today. Whoops. The more the bigger the opportunity, when you reject it, when you push it away, when you say, you know what, I'm too busy, I got too much going on, I can't do that, that's not worth my time, that's not worth my investment, the, the heavier the pain, the heavier the cost. And there is no greater opportunity. There's no, there's no greater opportunity in the life of a human being than to encounter the king of all kings, the Prince of Peace, there's no, greater, there's no greater moment, there's no greater chance, there's no greater uh, moment in your life, there's no, there's, there will never be. And when we reject it, when we miss it, when we're foolish enough to believe that maybe somehow we can manipulate it in order to gain what we actually really want over here, the outcome is massively devastating. Jesus says, man, because you missed this, because you missed this, you are going to be absolutely destroyed. You're going to be surrounded on all sides. The city's going to be destroyed. People are going to be killed. Um, and, and every stone will not stand upon another stone. It's going to level. 
And just 40 years later, that happens. Rome surrounds Jerusalem. They attack the city, kill everyone in it, and not one stone stands upon another stone in the temple of Jerusalem, never to be rebuilt again. Jesus says, this isn't enough, man. For thousands of years, I've been trying to show you what brings peace, and you think that you're going to find peace in this empty, dead religion, in this empty, dead temple, that that's where peace is? No, peace is in knowing the Prince of Peace. Come have a relationship with me. And he finally says, enough is enough. I'm destroying that, and I'm making way for a new way, a new covenant, that you might draw near to me, that you might know me, that you might enter in. And in that hour of visitation, when I show up in your life, that's your moment. And many of you in this room, you've experienced that moment. You've had that moment in your life. You've had that moment, that hour of visitation where Christ has become more real to you in that moment. Maybe it was through a small group here at Flourishing Grace. Maybe it was just, maybe it was just on a hike someplace in the woods. And in, in this moment, you said, no, this is real. This is genuine. There is, there is a king of kings. There is a God who loves me. There's a God who's drawn, drawn near to me through, through the gospel of Christ who's given his life for me. Don't miss that moment. And then there's a lot of other little moments along the way. I believe, I said this at the last gathering, I believe that here at Flourishing Grace right now, we are in a moment of visitation. I really do. Last week, if you were here, um, we had five people baptized at the 11 o'clock gathering. Hearing, hearing their stories of life transformation and the way that their small groups have leaned into their lives, breathed the gospel into them. The way that Christ has has become alive to them, called them into new life. You look around what's happened. Last Sunday, we had 260 people here at Flourishing Grace Church, the most that we've ever had. Listen, that doesn't happen in South Davis County, friends. That's not a normal thing. It's a time of visitation. Christ is moving. And so, so when Christ moves in our lives, whether it's through, through, our, through our individual lives, something going on in my individual life, there's healing and restoration and repair, or whether it's in my community, in my small group, in my, in my church, when Christ moves in our lives and there's an hour, a time of visitation in my life, drop everything and draw near to the Prince of Peace. It'll all be there when you go back. That job, that bank account, that soccer practice, that silly thing that you do, whatever it is, it'll be there. Lean in to Christ. Know Christ. Make the most of the hour of visitation. Find a flourishing relationship with him. And ultimately, what does Christ want for you? To do more, serve more, be more, give more? No, He wants you to find peace. Find peace in Him. And when we find peace in Him, when we draw near to Him, we actually do more and give more and serve more and become more in Him. Obedience follows this this, this deepening relationship, this flourishing relationship with Christ. So make time in your day for Him. Make time in your day to draw near to Him through His Word, through prayer. Make time in your day to know the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, to be filled with that Spirit. Draw near to Christ. Find peace. The hour is here. It's now.
Don't, don't miss it, friends. Let me pray. Jesus, this morning, come before you, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings. This morning, we reflect on the moment that you rode into the great city of the King, the great city of God, and the temple in Jerusalem. We pause. We say, might you be riding into our lives right now? Might that be donkey, that donkey be coming down the road of my soul? Might you be showing up and calling me to something more? Calling me to engage. And not, not to say, what can I get out of this Messiah? But how do I draw near to him? I know you are riding into flourishing grace right now. It's obvious. To open my eyes and I look around. I see people's souls changing before me. I see people's lives being restored, marriages being rescued and redeemed. Families leaning in together, saying, man, I want my kids to know Jesus more than I want them to be obedient to me. That's not chance. That's not, that's not happenstance. That's an act of God. I just lean into that. Grasp that. Give our lives to it. Let us think through, man, who else can we invite into this? Who else can we bring into this movement of God? Who else can we bring into this, this movement of Christ, this hour of visitation? Who needs to see it? Who needs to be here? What do I need to do in, it, in, or, in order to be a greater part of it? Volunteer, join a small group, become a partner. What do I need to do? Where are you calling me? How can I be more obedient to the King of Kings and the Prince of Peace? Jesus, I pray that you breathe peace into the lives of the men and women in this room. I pray that they would know peace in a way that they've never known it. I pray that they'd know freedom from anxiety and worry in the way they've never known it. And I know the only way that happens is if they draw near to you. And so draw them near to you. Help them have a flourishing relationship with you. Break, break the chains of the lie that says, man, peace will be found once you have done this, once you've accomplished that, once you've controlled this thing. Don't let us buy into that. Don't let us buy into that garbage. Help us to see you as the ruler of all, and the ruler of our lives. Praising your name. Amen.